The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceinfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter 10, The Evening Redness in the West Episode 2 Before we return to the terrible events which followed the Battle of Freehold, let us turn to another one of history's great crimes, Renaud d'Esprit. You remember Renaud, the self-styled nice necromancer. To the south of Jordan there exists a great sea named the South Sea. Gods damn, but whoever named the geography of this land has absolutely no creativity. You know who has creativity? Rabbits. I bet that Mr. Fluffy Toes would have come up with an exquisite name for this sea. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. The weather of the South Sea is cold and tempestuous. The water is perilous, with massive icebergs both above and below the surface of the water, and gale-force winds driving icy rain across the water. It was through these conditions that Renaud d'Esprit was guiding a tiny rowboat accompanied by his general Maguire. Maguire, you will recall, was the one undead warrior who seemed to side with Nia in her disagreement with Renaud. I rather like Maguire, as the undead go. He's good folk. Under a dancing aurora, the tiny craft made land on one such iceberg. This is it, then. The hitherto final resting place of your great warrior. The ice drifts have shifted in the three millennia since the map was made. But it could not be any other place. Arden and his mighty hammer. Good. I shall have his hammer. I shall have his loyalty. And then no one will dare refuse me. The way down is certain to be perilous. Are you sure ye wish to proceed, Renault? Renault took confident hold of Maguire's shoulders. Maguire, I want you to listen to me. I have a good feeling about this, and I never ignore my feelings. Right then. He headed into a crag in the ice. I good thing that's never led you into error before. Back on the Yordic mainland, Nia sat by a still but steaming pool, peering at her reflection. Her face was heavily bandaged. The remainder of our party, that is, Queen Regan, Sir Brennan and Yellowine, were camped near this pool, having completed their quest in the cairn of evil untold. After a deep breath, Nia pulled the cloth from her face. Beneath were dark red scars, the price of fighting against Renault's poison spray. As she stared in dismay, Regan joined her. Not so bad. I suppose it could have been worse. Nia, you a whore? Pardon? A stage player? 
Do you depend at all on what your face looks like? Well, no, but that's not really the point. Nia, what do you do? What are you good at? I'm a scholar. I lived in Amstrangot all my life. Some of the richest scholars I ever seen had faces like an orc's infected cock wrinkle. I'm sure you think you're being helpful. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You got a great story to tell. Those fine-ass college boys are going to be lined up at the gates to hear how you vanquished the necromancer. Never figured you to be keen on college boys. I'm not. I was guessing you were. Never? I mean, not never. <laughs> They're damn near shit in their pants the whole time and they shoot their goo if you wink at them too hard, but it's nice to pull on someone's hair and not come up with lice. I feel so vain for caring about a few marks on my face. But it just feels as if I've lost a part of myself I'll never have back. Life's a series of things you don't get back. You keep living, though. And on that encouraging note, if you wouldn't mind, I think I'd like some time to myself. Suit yourself. I need a bath. With her usual air of practicality, the queen stripped nude and dove into the thermal pool. Nia, much less accustomed to such displays, averted her gaze, but not quickly enough to avoid seeing Regan's back. The flesh was riddled with scars, narrow lines crossing and recrossing the Queen's back. There was almost more scar than flesh. Galadin's mercy. There are easy ways and hard ways to get good with a saber. I couldn't afford the easy ways. I didn't... I'm sorry I made such a fuss over it. It's all right. I kept living. Nia, have you made any... <clears throat> Your grace, oh, pray forgive my intrusion. Holding council meetings in the nude was not a habit of the late King Gunther, and so Brennan found himself quite unsure of how to proceed while his queen was bathing. We're grown-ups, Brennan. Nia, I had... Um, if I could... As you were, Sir Willemson, state your business. Aye, Your Grace. I had hoped to inquire as to whether Nia had made any progress in discerning meaning from the tablet we found. As a matter of fact, I have discovered something interesting. Just now, Brennan noticed Nia's face. So, those wounds did scar. I am sorry you had to face that, Nia. She's over it. What did you find on the tablet? Nia's countenance indicated she may not have been as thoroughly over it as her queen had decreed. She soldiered on, however, reaching through her supplies for the etching she had taken of the stone tablet. See these four characters? They repeat far more often than any other character here. It's almost as if they demarcate sentences of the text. Now, what would you need four of that could usefully start every sentence of something? Cardinal directions. That is indeed what I suspect, Kaltia. I must once again speak in protest of this investigation. Your descent has been duly noted, Kaltia. And entered into the royal record many, many times. But Taid Relotit specifically instructed us not, not to, to open the chest. And we didn't. For the thousandth, thousandth time. Now can we please move on? I gotta take a piss and I'd like to do it in peace. We'll excuse ourselves so that your grace might... Um... I didn't say stop the council. Your grace? Oh. You were saying about the directions, Nia? As a wood sprite, I have seen or heard of hundreds of kings and queens since the dawn of time. Some of them had indeed preferred to hold council while bathing, or outdoors, or countless other foibles. 
But I can honestly say that what Regan had just done was a historical first. <clears throat> yes, well, my provisional assertion about the cardinal directions of course naturally suggests that this is some kind of map. The Knights of the Wood gave us a map so that we could find them another map? Or some manner of navigation guide. Though its value may derive from the document itself, rather than its use as a map. Perhaps it is a key to translating these forgotten scripts. Any idea what it's a map to? Unfortunately, I'm no closer to identifying any real location connected to this map. Kaldir, uh, I think it is time we sought to break our fast, eh? As you wish. I saw a worn of hares grazing near here this evening. Seven or eight of them. Should be easy enough to track. We four cannot eat eight hares. Any elf trained in the ways of the hunt will tell you it is a hunter's sacred and lawful duty to also cull the population of the prey. This maintains balance and order. That will do, Kaldir. Brennan watched Yellowween stride off into the bush. He waited until he judged the elf far out of earshot, and then waited an extra minute for safety before turning back to Nia. Nia. Do you have everything you need to continue your work once you've given the chest to reality? My etching is as true to the original as it's ever going to be. Good. I at least agree with Yellowin that we must not appear to disobey the Tarlahir. The Lord Commander is meeting us here, then. I'll find you, she said. Gotta love that little threat snuck in there. Smooth bit of cock-waving. With respect, your grace, even queens must serve someone. I only hope the children are safe. If the smoke on the horizon is any guide, trapped encroaches farther east each day. We shall know by sundown whether we have help. If there's one thing the Knights of the Wood never are, it's late. Back in the South Sea, Renault and Maguire were deep within a frozen cavern, hidden among the ice flows. By torchlight, the two cautiously proceeded through the cave, though Renault was not so cautious as to bother shutting his mouth for a moment. Gods forbid. In truth, Maguire, this is about ethics in academic... By the holy matron, there it is. The light of the torch fell upon an ancient stone altar. Atop this altar sat a massive warhammer, more like a slab of iron than a proper hammer, mounted on a wooden staff bound in ancient mummified leather. No man could count how many of the invaders were crushed by that fell iron. That means... The undead general cast the torchlight around the altar until he found a wall of ice, its glassy smoothness standing out among the rough stone of the cave. Lifting the light higher, it became obvious that a figure of a man was frozen in the ice. Calling it a man may be an understatement. The figure was easily seven feet tall, as naked as the day he was born apart from his blue war paint, and entirely encased in the wall of ice. This is he, none other. Arden the Annihilator, the greatest warrior who ever lived, and likely will ever live. Not the sharpest spear in the armory, though. Splendid. All the better to bend to my intellect. Uh, aye, that's what I ought to talk to you about. Arden saw mages, druids, scholars, anyone clever, really, as threats. And Arden did not suffer threats gladly. He killed them, 
You're saying I should try to conceal my intellect. I'm saying Arden will take one look at you and cave your skull in. Why have you only told me this now? Because I hate you, Renault. You what? I hate ye from deep down in my soul. I hate everything ye are. I hate everything ye stand for. I just plain hate your wanker face. This is... Maguire, I thought we were friends. That's because you care too little about other people's feelings to bloody listen to them. Which is another thing I hate about ye. But it turns out I'm not completely without honour. So I leave you the choice. And why should I not part you from this false life I have given you right here and now? Speak any of the old tongues, do ye? Arden knows not a word of the common. And what's more, he hates the sound of it. The braying of slaves, he called it. So do as ye will, ye bastard pox of a boy. How dare you? I am the greatest mage technically alive. Well, I don't know about that. You impudent fool, I gave you life. Necromancy's not as impressive as you think. Happened all the time in my world. Reviving the Annihilator would be impressive, I'll admit. But no one would hold it against you if you weren't clever enough. We shall see who's clever and who isn't, Maguire, you arrogant son of a whore. <laughs> we certainly will. Thus begins my greatest feat yet. Aided by magic, the torch flame suddenly flared high. In the heat, the wall of ice began to melt. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed by Christian Madeira. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Lily Draxler. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. All Notice. Frank Queres. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. This episode was edited by Josh Perot. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Additional music by Christopher Montalvo. Thanks for downloading.